Well, as we come to the end of our series in the book of Philippians, I want to speak on a very personal level, if that's okay with you this morning. Uh, you don't really get much choice, though, do you, because I've got the microphone, so that's one of those silly things that people sometimes say from the front. I want to, I want to speak about the experience of Christian leadership, um, what it's like to rely on other people for, for giving and the, the incredible blessings that God gives to us as we give to him. And uh, before we do that, let's uh, turn and pray. Mighty and wonderful Father, we praise you for new life in this church, for the 13 people who will be confirmed shortly by Bishop Graham. We pray for them now that you will just still their hearts and prepare them for this act of public commitment to you, act of faith. I pray that you win people to yourself in that service, that there'll be new converts, new baptized, new confirmed people as a result of this morning's ministry. Bless Bishop Graham as he travels here now. And for ourselves, Lord, we pray that you help us to feed on your word this morning and be transformed as we learn that we can do all things through you who gives us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a special time here, this service. There's only uh, two more weeks where you have to get here uh, before nine o'clock in the morning, you're still allowed to get here at nine o'clock in the morning and pray. We'll have prayer from nine till 9.15 in the new service structure that begins in May. And uh, we'd love to have you here at nine o'clock, but the service will kick off at 9.30. So there's a sense of a little bit of extra breathing space in the morning uh, coming our way. And the opportunities and potential for uh, expanding and doing other things in the space, both before and afterwards, maybe having some artwork going on during the service, having the children's choir uh, singing as well as other choir groups and soloists and instrumentals and all the possibilities and joys of uh, John and Lydia arriving and joining with us. But it's change, isn't it? And one of the things that most strikes you in times of change is knowing where do you get your help from. I was once asked to pioneer a new church in the city centre of Wolverhampton, and I was given a budget of £2,000 forever and ever uh, to do this. They paid my stipend and paid a, a living allowance, but that was it, me on my own, uh, to try and pioneer a new church. And God actually, in his incredible grace, uh, led me to a guy called Chris, who uh, uh, partnered with me and uh, came and joined me voluntarily for a year, a girl called Hannah and a lad called Andre. And between the four of us, we began to get um, some lovely stuff going, including 40 days of prayer, um, which involved Chris living in the bell tower of the church, which chimed every 15 minutes um, through the night for 72 hours. And he got ITV News to come and uh, to come and film this. And he had a, a prayer bucket that dangled from the tower down to the floor and passers-by could put their prayers in it and reel it up again. I think it took him the rest of the 40 days to recover from the, uh, what do you call it when something's ringing? That's the one. Um, but this isn't like a little bell ringing in your ears. This is like a bong church bell ringing in your ears. And after a year, uh, Chris was exploring ordination and 
felt called on to something else in another church as he was exploring ordination. And we got to the point of singing the hymn, In Christ Alone, which is going to be sung at the confirmation service a little later. We've sung it here before. Um, and I found myself singing, in Chris alone, my hope is found. I re- realized that in my head, I'd put my trust in this very impressive, charismatic, flamboyant colleague of mine who had helped us develop all sorts of wonderful things over the year that he'd been in ministry. And I realized this wasn't the first time I'd done that. When I was a curate, there were a lovely couple in our church, St. Jude's called David and Jackie Ward, And they announced that they were going to go off and run a pub in the countryside somewhere. And they were the sort of people that you felt like you were building on and building on. And then when I got to Chiswick, this just went mental because, of course, the flow in and out of London is like, whoa, trying to hold onto your seatbelt. And you're like, oh, I really like that person. They've gone, they've gone, it's just like, boom. And one of the things that God taught me most of all in that time in Wolverhampton was an incredible verse that Jesus uh, says. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And there was an entire term of my life which began with what looked like utter disaster. Chris had gone, the rector of my church, the coverage I had, had gone very, very suddenly. Uh, We ran a very expensive outdoor evangelistic youth event uh, for the entire town, and it rained, and the bishop was there, and Mark Russell from Church Army was there. Um, It was was bizarrely still fruitful, but it didn't feel like the right thing, and and a curate's wife came up to me just before this event was due to happen, and she said, do you know, six out of ten church planters burn out. <laughs> I was like, thanks for the encouragement, Amanda. <laughs> and, and that whole term, God just kept saying to me, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I just had to internalize it. And as Dennis goes off into running a church, in a number of weeks' time. We're praying this week that God opens a door really wide open for him. There's a good door. Can't tell you about it yet, but we're just praying that God opens this door really wide open for him to walk through. As Dennis goes off, there'll be times where he's like, all this pressure people have for me. They all want so much to happen, not just the local church, but frankly, the national church and diocese. They're all piling all this pressure on the poor man. And you have to learn the truth that Apart from me, you can do... Let's have a bit more of a liturgical moment. Apart from me, you can do... I think that made it onto the recording. That's good. Apart from me, you can do nothing. By the time we got to November, though, God really released to me Philippians 4, verse 13. Have a look at that with me, page 1181. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. (laughs) It's the, the flip side to apart from me, you can do nothing. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. See, in and of ourselves, we cannot build for eternity. <laughs> but through Jesus, when he's the master builder, we can do everything in his time. There's a children's book that we use to read to our children about a little duck called Ruby. And a mother duck is made this brood of uh, ducklings. Is that a brood? Is that the collective noun for ducklings? Whatever it is. And, and they're, they're swimming along, and uh, Ruby is the last one to get into the water, and the mother duck's like, is she ever going to swim? And she's the last one to feed herself, and she's the last one to fly. 
And then, and then suddenly she flies, and the book says, Ruby flew to, and she's released into this, and she flies far, far away. Sometimes you're just sort of waiting, wondering, is anything ever going to change? And you look and go, oh my goodness me. You look maybe at, at the church here, this wonderful church family we've got, and you think about some of the past ministries here. I can only tell you back to Richard Abfield and Jim Dainty, back boys, the prayers that were prayed by those clergy, but even more so by the faithful lay people who have been here a long time, your Pams, your Rosalinds, your dear Pam True, who's in, in hospital this week, um, who was warden when the church was shut down so this incredible reordering could happen. And there are dreams, aren't there, that launch into you and you think, when are they going to happen? And if you carry on walking a long obedience in the same direction, decades later you look back and go, Ruby flew too. It's alive. And all those people who walked past St. Albans, Acton Green, and were like, can't just be chucked into flats. Or the guys who were there when it was Oak Tree Fellowship, and they were sort of stuck in there with furniture in there that they didn't want and not really being in charge of the building and it, they had to move out and then it got closed down and it looked like it had become flats and then suddenly it's not becoming flats and a church very similar to that can go in but with a clean broom and today there's going to be a few hundred people in there including teenagers getting confirmed and adults getting confirmed and uh, there's a lovely couple getting confirmed today who just a few weeks ago phoned up the church office saying, could we have a house blessing, an exorcism in our house? And uh, different people have been in to pray with them. And I baptized uh, Darren on uh, Wednesday this week in his house. And he's getting confirmed today, God willing. He's ex-forces, so he struggles with uh, anxiety. So we pray that he makes it over there in the next 10 minutes. It's a huge deal for him. But isn't it amazing that in places that looked like they were going to become nothing to do with the sacred worship of God, people are giving their lives to Jesus today. Isn't that wonderful? And you look at other situations, you're like, how on earth is that going to turn around? And you know what? If you follow God along obedience in the same direction in his timing, Ruby flies too. I can do everything who him and gives me strength. But in the meantime, there's turmoil. Paul here in Philippians, as you know, is in prison. It's not the ideal situation. But did you notice the words that weren't read at the end of the service today? Verse 22. All God's people here send you, the Philippians, greetings from Rome, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. What a glorious throwaway line. How are those who belong to Caesar's household sending greetings to the church in Philippi? Answer, because Paul's been in arrest, house arrest, in Caesar's household for the last two years, and people keep coming to faith because he's under arrest. It's not how people would ideally plant a church. But they stick this 65-year-old bloke in a room for two years, and life keeps coming up around him. People come to faith, and now they're sending greetings to another church. And he's speaking to them, he's saying, look, I've had to, over my life, rely on other people for financial support, 
I've been a tent maker, or I actually had a great career before I started on this Christian missionary thing. <laughs> but over the years, God said, you've just got to rely on me, and I'm, I'm rejoicing that you've been able to show your concern for me. You hadn't had an opportunity before, so that's why you didn't give as, as you could have done. Um, and I, you know, this isn't a guilt trip, verse 11, because I know how to be content in every situation. I do know what it's like to be in need, and I do know what it is to have plenty. This is one of the first verses I learned when I was a new Christian, age 17. I know what it's like to have need, and I know what it's like to have plenty. But I have learned, this is such a key verse, verse 12, I have learned the secret of being, do you know the words? Content. Oh, what a beautiful word content is, isn't it? I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You say, Paul, but you've been broke. Paul, you've been beaten to within an inch of your life. Paul, you've had to travel around with a doctor for the last two decades to dress your back every day, no doubt. Paul, you've been shipwrecked. Paul, you've been chucked out of towns. Paul, you have been hungry. Paul, you've been in need. Paul, your health has been so bad. I've learned the secret of being content. You do know, don't you, our entire society is predicated on us being uncontent. Every advert is there to make you less content. Our entire financial system is about us being uncontent so that we'll borrow and spend and borrow and spend and borrow and spend and spend and spend and spend to try and get that elusive I'm worth it moment. I've learned how to be content in each and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. I was listening to absolutely amazing sermon the other day at the New Wine Leadership Conference by uh, the very phenomenal Nicola Moy, who was preaching on 1 Samuel. And she's preaching on God being my hope. And she was saying that during her sabbatical, she had come to terms with some of her inner sins. And this isn't a major spill on my wife, uh, but was in one of my major sins was that I kept wanting to put my trust in things that aren't God. And she was saying one of the things that's troubled her is that we don't have a house. We, we don't have you know, a place that we'll retire to. And uh, the way the Church of England pension's going, um, you know, we'll, if anyone has a caravan, we'll, we'll, we'll borrow that <laughs> in years to come. But she was saying that I, I feel like I would be better in ministry if I had the security of knowing everything. And it's become a little sort of thing for me. Uh, and then she was saying, but actually what God taught me is it's just, do you trust me? Am I your help? And she was, she was in tears as she preached this incredible sermon. But she'd come to the place of going, yes, I want God to be my help. And do you know, I don't want to go long into this, but our experience down the years of ministry has been of God providing for us in the most incredible ways. I want to tell you about a hundred different things of money and envelopes through doors at moments and 
incredible giving. But I want to just mention one thing to you, because I, I don't know if we say thank you enough for this, as he says thank you in this passage. But there was a dear lady in this church I've never met, and she's the reason that we're still here at Christ Church. Um, <laughs> sorry. Just a, a little background on this. When we, when we moved to London, um, the stipend level was exactly the same as in Wolverhampton. <laughs> so we had the same level of income to try and live in London. And um, so uh, a, a comparison was uh, the ballet lessons our daughter was doing was exactly four times more expensive from the same company in Chiswick as it was in Wolverhampton. <laughs> It was, it was heartbreaking. But there, were, there was a lady called uh, Betty Smith who in, in her incredible generosity left her house to the church when she died. And it was put into trust by a wonderful trustee of Mike Smith and, and now Christine Smith as well. And Mike stewarded that money so incredibly well that it's been like the widow's jar. It's kept earning money. It finishes its, its money this, this May, the middle of May. But over the last six years it's provided the money that's paid for Dennis's housing, Kia's housing and Nicholas part-time stipend um, and that has meant that we've been able to stay here in London and have Dennis and have Kia and it's also meant we've been able to have things like the TV screens and the bike racks outside and it gives some extra money to Uganda and to and the Bill and Sarah and other projects overseas and uh, give away generously to people in need from a, from a fund we've been able to pay for people to go on holiday, we've been able to go on holiday, had a sort of discretionary fund from it. It's just been the most wonderful thing and it's so special um, and I'm um, and uh, I heard on, on uh, Thursday night, our standing committee, that um, after our appeal early this year, um, the church family have chosen to increase their, their covenant giving each month um, by, by a thousand pounds a month. Um, so we're just so grateful to you all for responding to that, that ask to increase money at this time where the Betty Smith Fund and now runs out. Thank you so much for partnering in, in the gospel and sharing with us in the ministry here. We, we hugely appreciate it. And in uh, verse 18, Paul says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. He's in prison now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you've sent. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then he says, and my God 
who he knows so well that he can call him my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let me just say that again. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you've renewed your concern for me. May God bless his word to us today. And may he bless and nurture and encourage his church as we carry on trying to live out a long obedience in the same direction. I'm going over to the confirmation candidates now. God bless you very much. And I'll see you next week, if not before.